All right. Are you ready? I am. Did you start the camera? Yeah, I did start the camera this time. (laughs) Okay. And yeah, this so this is our second episode, not our first. I feel like this sounds weird for some reason. No, it's all set up right. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, so this is our second episode. We recorded Running with Sherman first, but it's not on theme for October. So we're going to kind of put that one in the back burner. I think that one will come out November 1st. So this is not your first rodeo. No, it's not. How'd you like the first one? I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah? Yeah. I think um, the added element of being on air uh, makes you really think through what you're going to say and um, try to analyze it more genuinely. It's kind of fun. It is kind of fun. And I feel like it's actually... I think it's made me a little bit better at talking to people mm-hmm. because I try not to say um as much and you kind of have to keep the conversation going. I've noticed that like even in my Zoom calls for work and stuff, it's just I said it and stuff. So it obviously <laughs> hasn't helped a ton, but it has helped a little bit because I used, I used to be really awkward on Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. So, but this book is more on brand for October but a little less on brand for you is what I was kind of getting when we first decided to do it. Um, This book is The Thursday Murder Club, which I will say right off the bat, I think is one of Olivia's favorite books. I don't think the first one is one of her favorite books, but as a series, I know that she absolutely loves this series. And I can see why, and we'll kind of talk about some of those points. But what did you think of the book? Well, you're absolutely right. I am not a murder mystery gal. Um, I've probably only read genuinely maybe four or five. And the whodunit ones are even harder, um, like the Agatha Christie's, like this one, Westing Game, um, because there's a lot of characters and there's a lot going on, just stuff going on with the characters And so I don't follow the life of one particular character. And that's what I enjoy with reading. And so um, it is a little bit of a challenge um, for me. However, I've talked about this this whole weekend, trying to... (laughs) (laughs) Trying to finish the book. (laughs) Trying to finish the book. I mean, granted, I was playing with the kids and, you know, a lot of other stuff going on, too. It wasn't... Brutal for the sake of the book. It was timing, obviously. Um, But I will say towards the end, which Olivia hasn't heard this, I enjoyed it more than at the beginning. Um, But I think I enjoyed it more for its grand purpose as opposed to the the actual uh, content in it. I don't, I don't know, or the, the characters in it individually, because that became confusing. But I did really learn to like it more. Okay. So I guess going back to murder in general, mm-hmm. I feel like the world is obsessed with murder, though. Mm-hmm. Like, there are so many murder, you know, true crime podcasts. There's a new murder documentary that comes out on Netflix, like, every week. Then they have, you know, all of these true crime books. I feel like they're going nuts right now. Is there a particular reason why you don't like it? I feel like you're the first person that I've talked to that's just been like, mm, not my jam. Yeah, I've never actually liked any of them. I mean, when you were growing up, I don't know, does Alias count? I liked Alias. That's more I, of a spy, though. Okay. I wouldn't classify that in the murder so genre. I, I like... Because um, that's like more like I would I would classify alias as like a very 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 bad version of like (laughs) (laughs) james James bond or jason Bourne. if you're gonna knock alias you better put your socks on for this book no i'm just kidding um i i have watched castle and uh psych you loved castle didn't you i did but i didn't even watch it to the end Uh, you know um but I did enjoy it. I don't like heavy things. My mom loves it. Mimi loves it. She really? watches all NCISs. She watches the one uh, with that Kira Sedgwick. I can't think of what it is, but where 
She's like the forensics person. Oh, yeah. Bones? Uh, no. She watches Bones, but no, uh, an older one. I can't remember what it is called, but all of them. Really? My mom is into all of those type things. I guess I they just make me sad, sad for the victims more than anything. And so I really, I don't, I don't want to watch it. Olivia's kind of that same way, but she's very picky. Mm-hmm. She likes when bad people get murdered. And then she's all about it. She's like, if I don't have to feel sad for the person who got murdered, like if they were cheating on their wife or they had stole a bunch of money or something like that, she's like, I enjoy the mystery. She's like, I just don't like when, you know, Joe Schmo walking down the street gets shot and then now there's a mystery for whatever reason. Yeah, my my jam is Hallmark. <laughs> <laughs> I sound very shallow then, but I mean, I do. I don't mind knowing the ending if I know the ending is a happily ever after. That's, I live through rose color glasses. I mean, I read a lot of hard, inspiring stories of people with grit that get through things that I cannot even imagine. Those stories just uh, fuel me. I love disaster flicks because I love to see people overcoming disaster flicks are a little bit closer to murder no 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 because i love to see people um being stronger than they think they are and being able to overcome and i feel like in murder programs or things like that it's it's not people overcoming it's people either the person who is committing the murder they've given in to evil and hatred and sadness and just and then you have the victim and so I like to see and I like to read about the human soul triumphing okay so I am still a little bit shocked that you didn't like this book though because I feel out of the the murder genre that this one leans pretty heavily towards castle and psych like if I had to there was like a spectrum of murder and it went from like saw to psych. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, extreme, extreme, extreme all the way to just psych, which is just two goofy dudes solving random murders of random people. I would say this one's way closer to psych. Oh, you know, I, like the characters are fun. The murder is not. Murders. Murders. Yeah. Murderers <laughs> are not the. It's not the focus of the story really at all. And in my opinion, I don't think that it was, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that that was really what drove the story home. I felt like it was the characters and their kind of like witty banter and and building up the characters themselves that really made this more of a, a fun read. I would agree. I would agree that, um, it was a lighthearted murder mystery, mm-hmm. um, and it was its intent was to um, bring humor to it, and um, the characters were delightful. Um, yet I found them underdeveloped, and so I think that because it was uh, a murder mystery with so much going on. I mean, there was a lot going on. Yeah. Um, We did get to know the different characters, but not on the level that I would like to in a book. If I'm going to sit down and read a book, I want to feel like I really know those individuals. In defense of him and those people that love this series, my guess is that happens in future books because generally speaking, the first book isn't the be-all, end-all of the series. It's kind of getting your feet wet and laying the groundwork. So I would imagine those relationships that I was hoping was in book one develop, but they weren't there for me in this standalone experience. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Do you read a lot of series? I don't, is that the right word? Series? Series? I think it's just series. I've only read a handful of those as well. Because you've never, you've never finished Harry Potter, have you? You've never finished I'm trying to think of like other big famous I'm not series. I'm not a big series person and a lot of people at work read a lot of series. I tend to get bored. I think that whereas <laughs> this one probably I don't finish television series. Um, 
Whereas this one probably gains momentum. So I can see sometimes um, authors lose momentum. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I just want a meaty, good Sta novel. Standalone novel. Yeah. And I have read some. Um, yeah. Because I think back to, I recently reread re Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, in my opinion, the gold standard for a, for a series. And I was, although it was fun to be back in Harry Potter, I was actually shocked at how little Harry Potter developed in just the first book. Oh, yeah. Like as a, as characters, as people that, I mean, like individual characters, I felt like were very underdeveloped. Story-wise, I felt like the world was very underdeveloped. I was kind of like almost shocked because I look at Harry Potter as like one giant set of whole, you know, like world building, all the characters, you end up loving the characters and you just kind of feel like each book has a story, but each book all, but that's not really the only thing that each book brings. It's not just the story. It's also like compounding your love for each of those characters as you move throughout the stories. Well, what I love about series that are done well, which I know Harry Potter is done very well, um, that is also out of what I enjoy reading, but it is on my bucket list to read with my grandkids. Um, a series that is done well weaves things throughout the entire series that relate back to the first book. Yes. So it, it takes it takes planning, it takes organization. And again, I have read several series and I enjoy them when they're done well. So I am giving this book the... Um, and not the benefit of the doubt because I did enjoy it a little bit more than I thought I would towards the end. But um, I'm assuming that the series is like that mm -hmm. because he's a very beloved author that he weaves things through and it, it just develops. So into what more. series have you read? Because now I'm trying to think of ones that I can think of that you have read. You keep saying you have read them. Well, I, I honestly can't remember the names <laughs> of books. Uh, I read a lot of pioneer books. Not pioneer as far as like pioneer, pioneer, but like <laughs> uh, coming across like Little House on the Prairie type books, things like that. I can't, okay. that series, you know, I don't know. I think Sarah, Sarah Plain and Tall, just those type of things. I've read uh, books that take place in England. I honestly can't think of the names of any of them right now, but... <laughs> But I have read series. But generally speaking, they're time period pieces where okay. I see the growth of the character. Mm -hmm. you know. All right. Because mm -hmm. um, one thing, I, I would agree with all of that. Um, I would agree that the characters, I feel like there's still a lot of mystery behind every character that, although I enjoyed every character, I don't feel as connected to them as Olivia does, I don't think. And she's read the whole series so far. I think the newest one just came out this month and she already has it on hold at the library. So, but one of the things that I would say I didn't love about this book was that the murders, I feel like were a little bit scattered. You know, were you able to solve the murders before the end? Um, no. <laughs> Neither I was had, I, and I'm good at it. Yeah. I had to honestly, okay, let me just say this too. I listened to this book on Audible. Yeah. I don't recommend doing that. Um, for me, at least with my brain, I can't keep track of, same with the Agatha Christie book that I've read, um, and I've only read one of hers, um, Westing Game. It's very difficult to, for me to keep track of who's who and what's going on when I'm listening to it, especially in a rapid fire audiobook. Um, so with this one, I had to constantly, well, it did help to read the summary first and then listen to the book and then go back to the summary and come back. So I was just trying to keep a timeline together of characters and who they were and what they were doing. I honestly wasn't trying to solve the murder. I mean, I had some ideas of it. The The premise of the murders was interesting, but again, I was just trying to keep everybody in play. Mm -hmm. For me, I feel like this book wasn't as hard to keep track of characters as Agatha Christie. 
I know because we just did, and then there were none. And honestly, I couldn't tell you two names out of that book. And that one was so confusing for me to do on Audible. This one I felt like was a little bit better because they the characters, they also associated with jobs. I don't know if that made sense. Like, you know, there was, they would say, I can't even remember, remember their names, but, which is obviously <laughs> against the point that I was trying to make, but, but they would say like DCIS so-and-so, which would, you knew is the cop, you know what I mean? Or they would say Father Mackey. And so you knew he was at least the priest. And I feel like as long as they associate jobs with names, I'm usually pretty good about like following it up. So that was one thing that I would say if you, you know, want to listen to it on Audible, it's definitely not the easiest book because there are a lot of characters, but at least they associate like jobs with every character. Makes it a little bit easier to follow instead of just straight names because Agatha Christie, I mean, I was like constantly looking up. Who's this character again? Who's this character again? Who's that character? So... And this book did have core characters, which mm-hmm. also helped. Like they were definitely the lead in the book, which yeah, is, it's not just it's, ten random characters, right? With, with equal distribution right. of focus around ten characters, there were four main characters, right. two main detectives, one priest, and then random characters throughout right. that. Exactly. So I mean, that did make it easier, and those characters, I did, I did like you know, Mm -hmm. more. So I want to, I'd like to go back because what I did like about this book were those, the premise of the book. So not necessarily that it was a murder mystery, but I liked that it centered on four older people. I think that is an untraditional age for main characters. And um, that was appealing to me. In fact, in the beginning of the book, that's what really drew me in. Um, I liked that, um, and I, I wrote some notes, that it starts out, and I was super excited because it starts out um, with someone that one of the old people probably, um, I don't know which one it was, but one of them, um, <laughs> wanted to know about how quickly someone would die with multiple stabbings. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was like... Both my feet were in. I was so excited to to read it. Um, I do feel like it was a fantastic beginning, and then it it waned just a little bit. Um, but I liked the idea of it being old people. That's why I chose the book for you. I felt like you could relate <laughs> really well to the characters in the book. Yeah. Because we're about to put you in a guys in a home. And so, <laughs> well, just, just kidding. One of the blurbs, I think, I don't know if it's on the book or where I saw it, but it says, the body may fail, but the mind remains. And I think that that was cool what he did, that mm-hmm. we could see that there is purpose and there is contribution from older people and all the experience that they have lived in their lives. And and I think that that was the golden nugget. Yeah. In the entire book. Um I I I'm going to stand by though. I I wish he had developed it a little bit more. I did enjoy what he developed. I just wish he had done it more. Does that yeah. make sense? But It was his first book ever. So, yeah. I was reading an interview with the author Richard Osman and this was his first book ever. Before that, he was I mean, he wrote some TV shows, I believe. He wrote parts of like Survivor. And... Oh, he's a huge celebrity in England because yeah. I did a lot of reading on him as well. And he is so beloved. In fact, he's one of, I mean, J.K. Rowling and probably him. He is like super beloved in England. And he was that before he wrote this book. Yes. And so I feel like, and, and I've listened to several reviews online, and I would say it's split 50-50 people who love it mm-hmm. and people who are like me who are like Mm-mm. so it, it is split 50 50 yeah um but it, it definitely goes more it definitely trends more towards people loving it the further they get down his series that's I what I, I everything I, I read was like you can tell it's his first book and you can tell it's like the start of something for him but like if you stick with it 
he very like he develops as an author as the characters develop. That's that's exactly right. And I mean, they did say a couple of them had he not been who he was, it probably would not have made it mm-hmm. because it was a little bit. I mean, it wasn't fully developed. It was confusing. It mm-hmm. was. I mean, how many chapters were in it? A hundred and ninety-five. I mean, listening that on was... Audible, it was like chapter one hundred. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, that this is... is the first book I've ever listened to with a hundred chapters. Mean, to me, when you, I mean, that just tells you that there wasn't a lot of continuity in the story. A chapter starts something new every time, rather mm-hmm. than just developing it. A lot of his book was in dialogue, um, and that's fine, but that also doesn't allow for a lot of character development beyond that. And again, I think that he, who would I'm you sure, who, got better. Who would you say You're is gonna, the most developed character? Uh, you see, now you ask me something, and I Well, because you, you said something that's very interesting. So, like... Um, my favorite character was... Just describe Joyce. Joyce. Yeah. Interesting because Joyce is the only character in the whole book that has first person perspective. Yep. So the only character that you ever hear their thoughts and not just dialogue is Joyce Mm -hmm. because of her diary. So she writes in her diary. A couple of the chapters are her diary entries. Which is also random. That it it's is just her it doing is, that. You it know, is. I mean, so there's all these pieces that are kind of, but go ahead, finish. But it is, it also leans into exactly what you said, whereas like you felt like characters were underdeveloped because it was just dialogue and they were, you know, it was very choppy. And then the one character that you felt like you could kind of latch onto and connect to was the only character that actually had any sort of first person perspective throughout the entire book. Yeah. But, but I will say what I, again, appreciate for the book is what he was, I guess I'm, I'm going to say it in a nice way, what he's was developing into a series. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to the body may fail, but the mind remains. And that he gave life and purpose to these older people. Mm-hmm. Um, and me, being ancient, uh, really appreciated that and made me reflect on a lot of my life, on other people's lives, because you know, I am a big, what is their story type person. You and I have talked about that. What was the book that you recently read where you talked about that? Um, people's stories. Oh, it's oh, the book thief. The book thief. I am fascinated to know what, um, how people get to where they are in their life. And you know that that is partly because we've been knocked down your dad and I multiple times and I can see how quickly things can change and, um, and then be built back up and, and you just never know what has made a person who they truly are at their core. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this book brought that out. You have these 80 year old people that are in a nursing home that for all intensive purposes, people think are kind of, expired yeah and that's heart-wrenching to me i'm gonna cry i told you i was gonna cry um but this author did a phenomenal job in showing that life goes on until it truly doesn't and that these individuals have value and purpose and contribution because quite frankly, they probably wouldn't have solved the case without him. Yeah. Cases, you know. And I really liked that it wasn't like, because I, I got that point too. And I think that that was an important point and kind of a fun way to make that point. Mm-hmm. But I also really liked that it wasn't just for, you know, overly special senior individuals that had purpose throughout the book. But there were people that had purpose at every stage of that senior life. So there were, you know, husbands that were, you know, in the throes of dementia and couldn't remember people or what their names were. And they still had value to other characters. There were people who were in comas and they still had value to other characters. Like they would go and visit. I can't remember what her name was, but the old female cop that they were obsessed with. 
Um, um, Donna? No, Donna was the new cop. But there was the one cop that ended up that had like the backstory that was in the basically in the coma. Oh, okay. The okay. whole time. Yeah, yeah. And they talked about her the entire time and how much she meant to every character, regardless of where she was at mentally, that even people in those senior centers, regardless of whether they were, you know, Joyce and Elizabeth and were just super with it and still very smart as seniors, or whether they were you know, their husband. It, yeah, their husband who couldn't remember, you know, whether it was her, the name of her, his daughter or his wife. You know what I mean? And then they all had value to each other. So I thought that that was really cool that it didn't just exclude everything else that happens to seniors. It kind of showed everybody. And it showed everybody dependent on each other. I mean, even the young and up and coming uh, Donna and Chris. Um, they listened to them mm -hmm. and they were dependent on them for their clues and their knowledge and things like that. When you were talking again, my heart kind of broke a little bit because I think that that's almost going away nowadays. Um, oh, you, you people know, we just laughed. shut their, I mean, it used to be that it, like you took, you took in your parents or you took in your grandparents and you, you know, you, you helped them and, that's kind of the way that society worked and there wasn't all of these, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just the way society worked. Like you would take in your parents and you'd take in people within the community who needed help. And now it's, I feel like everybody's just shutting it out, you know? Well, I think yes, to an extent, although no one can afford to shut people out because everything's so expensive. But what I think is changing is that the elderly don't understand the world we're in anymore. We live in this technology filled world that they I think myself included there are many things that I can't contribute to anymore because I don't know how to do it um and that's they they listened and that was part of the humor in it mm -hmm. you know they would sometimes <laughs> act really stupid in those realms uh because then they could play the old person card yeah even though they were brilliant but which I thought was clever um, to use it to our advantage sometimes that we're old, uh, you know, to be able to kind of take away the boundaries that may be there if we just play old, the old card. Um, but I do think that technology and the way we communicate and uh, is erasing the elderly more than anything else. I see it even in my job when I ask uh, someone to fill out our paperwork and it's all on a tablet and they don't know how to do it and it's overwhelming and everything they do, Medicare, everything mm -hmm. is online. And so then their value as an individual, all their history becomes worthless to them. Yeah. Which is sad. Yeah. And and I love that that wasn't the case in this story. Yeah. No, I think that doing it with seniors was super fun. Like I had never, I don't think I know of another, and there might be one out there, of another book that does it like like this with seniors. You know what I mean? I, th I thought it gave a, a fun perspective and it also... It was fun because it gave him a little bit of leeway, like you were saying, leeway with, you know, kind of playing dumb and being like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And then also, you know, I loved when they were just like, you know, you can arrest us like we don't really care because we'll just pretend we have dementia and we'll pretend that the judge is our daughter and ask her why she doesn't come and visit us anymore. And like, it was just kind of funny, their perspective on things. They were just like, you can do whatever you want with us. Like We got nothing to we lose. We got nothing to lose. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Like nobody... Nobody pays us any attention anymore. And I think they even said that at some point in the book was that, you know, they're kind of invisible because of how old they are. And it kind of gave them an advantage, which was, you know, also kind of a fun look at the way that they did things. But I think it was also very interesting that, I don't know, they were definitely the center. And maybe it's because, again, the entire senior center was not very developed, but to me, it seemed like they were the center of the senior center. Like they were very involved in a lot of different things. And I think that just kind of goes to show 
like the need for for hobbies even at a senior age and i know that that's something that you're very passionate about yeah i think i think the fact that they had their thursday murder club is brilliant i'm sure that's because if you look at typical 80 year olds no offense to anybody out there but your body does start to shut down a little bit you mm-hmm. know if you don't feed it and feed it mentally and physically and uh you know with real food healthy food <laughs> it's going to uh break down it's going to stop working so well and i do agree i think that they uh mastered they were able to it was i guess it was more believable that they could solve a, these real crimes because they had kept their mind in that realm in their thursday murder club for so many years mm-hmm. y- you you do have to do that um in order to keep your mind spry yeah so yeah i would imagine that other 80 year olds in that nursing home and even 60 year olds were probably not as sharp as they were i know um one of the things that um you talked about how they could kind of blindly go through and and solve or see different things and experience different things because they were old and people probably just wrote them off as like, ah, oh, they're just, you know, walking around, not really knowing anything. And they were able to get a lot of clues and, and do a lot of good for the case. But one of the parts in the book that I actually really liked, which showed to me more reality and I guess um, interest was when they got in trouble for digging up the body. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I I actually really really liked that four page chapter. <laughs> <laughs> the exchange between them and, and Donna, Donna and Chris. Yes, yes, yes. See, that's what I wish they had more in, mm-hmm. more in it. To me, that was meaty. That was real. You know, that was um, them not just kind of skating through solving the murder and being sometimes funny. But that was conflict with them, and I, I just really liked that. I wish that there had been more of that with all the characters, and especially all the characters with those four main characters. I did ask Olivia, because I was like, all right, if I'm going to ever read any more of these books, like you have to let me know that the four main characters, Donna and Chris, all stay like very connected, and they do. So apparently those relationships, them and then Bogdan, also stays into the story Mm -hmm. and so there are other characters that will come and go but the four main characters donna chris and bogdan will all kind of stay in and grow and so i do think that that like which is what you liked is what continues to grow throughout the series yeah and i think that because i'm a standalone person kind of like my first ag the first agatha christie book i wrote was the first one and the characters weren't developed yet. They were just being introduced. I should read other books. And in defense of this series, I probably should read book two um, to see if they have more of that development going on. Yeah. But there is also like the Agatha Christie books that I'm aware of don't really have a whole lot of character development outside of there are some. Well, the main characters. I was about to say there are two, um, there are two main characters in some of her books, but then there are also standalone books. So like, and then there were none doesn't have that main, that main detective, whatever his name is. I can't pronounce it. Some French name. He's not in that one, but he does have basically a series that he follows and he's the detective in a lot of them. But I feel like for those... And I would even say for a lot of murder TV shows, it's more about the actual murder itself and like the the mystery, can you solve it before the detective solves it kind of aspect of it. And this book, I felt like kind of towed that line of trying to be more like psych, where it's not so much about the murder, it's more about the characters. And Agatha Christie, which is more about the murder, less about the characters. And I felt like, like you said, it kind of underdeveloped both because of that. Mm-hmm. So as a series, it should hopefully trend more towards psych and you get to know the characters and love the characters more because I felt like the murder in this one was just, it was a little underdeveloped. I just didn't, I, outside of the 
there's one big clue at the very beginning. And then other than that, I felt like it didn't kind of leave a trace for you to follow. Like it, it reveals one of the killers at the very end. And I was like, there was no connection that was mentioned before the final reveal. And I, I, I don't love that. Yeah, I would, I would agree that um, he tried to do too much in his mm-hmm. first book. And I think it was probably out of sheer excitement. It was probably out of, I don't know why, but for some reason there's a lot of books where it could have been done in half the amount of time and it would have been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a need, and I've never written a book, so I don't know, um, but there's a need to to make it longer. I felt like it was the right length. I don't think, oh, I, I don't, don't I don't there think. There were a lot of characters or people that were brought in backstories and things that I was like, uh, well, yeah, I think, you know, that was, that was, I think that could have been taken out and then that's what what could have been added would have been more character development. Like, I I don't think the actual length of the story, I didn't feel like it dropped. I didn't feel like I was like, holy, I was, yeah, I was, I didn't feel like, holy cow, I'm still reading this book. You know, like it's going on forever. It felt like a pretty standard sized book. It just, I would have taken yeah, out. I would have taken parts. out certain things and added more character development yeah. for sure in yeah. that first one. Yeah, but I I did like it. I will say I liked it better than the Agatha Christie first book that I read and the Westing game. Okay. So I mean that's a pretty pretty big deal. Yeah, he was also which I found interesting fifty when he wrote his first book. I always feel like was, was this it? Yeah, this was his first okay, book ever. Yeah, he was fifty. Yeah. This just came out a couple of years ago. I mean, that's so ancient. I mean, it, I, it is old. <laughs> You're 50. I mean, you shouldn't be thinking about it. No, but I think that that's interesting that, you know, he writes a book about seniors and all that they can do and then kind of enters this next chapter of his life very late in life too. Mm-hmm. You know, most people, I guess, don't make large career changes at, you know, those kinds of ages you're kind of starting especially somebody who's kind of doesn't have to worry about financials or anything like that like he could just kind of sail off into the sun and retire and be done and he's already famous you know what I mean like but he decided to kind of make that career change at 50 and I think that's you know kind of cool well I think that that um is a perfect segue to the last quote that was said in the book and the last thing which is what made me probably turn around my whole thinking of the book was the last sentence of the book. I don't even remember what it was. Um, And it was, life goes on until it doesn't. Hmm. And so, you know, you're 30 and you have a hard time imagining what (laughs) it's going to be like when you're 50 because 50 seems so old. But think about when you were 14 and what you thought a 30-year-old was like. Yeah, probably having their crap figured out, which is <laughs> not where I'm at. You, I, I am just, I am, I'm going to be 55. And I can see, and I've talked to so many of my friends, it's heartbreaking when we think that our chapters are all written. And there's nothing left but waiting to die. And... Yeah, experiencing life with your kids and your grandkids. But individuals, we have to have a purpose. We have to have something that we push forward and we drive and that brings excitement. I'm facing that with your grandma, Mimi, Mm -hmm. who has done everything to check out. Yeah. She's just in her home, her and Happy um, are just in their home. They don't do the things that they used to love. They barely watch even television. They um, have a couple of apps on their their iPad that they do. Um, but even then they're mindless and they don't know how to do anything else of any value on the iPad. And they are so sad. Mm-hmm. They are... So sad, and they are so laden with health um, difficulties because they're not outliving. And so, outliving and doing things is feeling pride in in your life 
and facing challenges and overcoming it and um, pushing yourself and growing mentally and physically and emotionally. And so I can see why a 50-year-old man would go from, you know, great success as a television entertainer mm-hmm. to all of a sudden saying, I've done that. Mm-hmm. Now I want to do something else to grow. And you know, you know more than probably any of the kids that I am struggling to do that as well. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I, you know, want any type of accolades or mountains of money or anything, but I need to nice, feel though. progression. I need to feel the growth. It's essential. Yeah. And I think that these four people nailed it mm-hmm. because they were still doing what they loved. They were still growing. And in this really crazy story, they were able to contribute and... I guarantee they're happier than everyone else in that nursing mm-hmm. home. For sure. Yeah. And that's kind of where, that's what I was thinking. And I just felt like he was a really good example of that mm-hmm. as an author as well, trying to stretch himself at such a late age <laughs> of life. Whatever. <laughs> I can't wait till you're 50. Um, and I will still but be will you will <laughs> you say, would you say that it is harder to do things like, to like, go out of your shell and start new things at 55 than it was when you were 30? Or what What would you say, like, where does that add up? Because, I mean, there's different stresses at, at both ages. You know, at 30, you've got a family, so you need a little bit of stability. You can't really just, you know, dump it and start something new. Um, but then at 50, obviously, you have routines and you have kind of comfort at that age that you're kind of used to, what would you say is harder for you personally? So I think that you kind of nailed it. And again, same with the four main leads in this book. The hard thing for me is feeling like I am a has-been. I Mm -hmm. am invisible. Um, And therefore, it causes me anxiety. It causes me stress. I'm less willing to uh, put myself out on the line because I don't want to look stupid, uh, because I shouldn't look stupid, you know, because I'm 55 and I should have my, you know, what together. Um, but you just got to do it. You, you gotta be like these guys see the humor in it mm-hmm. and just roll with it. And sometimes uh, grab the stereotypical uh, cliches of being old and use it to your advantage and laugh about it. And then other times rock everyone's world and hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. I'm not there yet because I, I need to figure out, I, I just, I probably need to accept where I am. Mm-hmm. And not look back as much, but look forward. Yeah. I think that that's probably, that is an aha moment on bookly <laughs> broadcast <laughs> or podcast. Uh, looking forward. Yeah. And, and uh, living life. Because life does go on until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Just do it and yeah. don't worry about it. And be yeah. who you are and... Doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah, because one of the things that I think I told you a couple nights ago was it is so weird to me that I think the same that I did when I was 19, mm-hmm. 25, 30. I may forget a lot more and I can't <laughs> remember names, but as far as my passions and, you know, I make decisions with um, a lot more experience to back them up. And I definitely have more empathy than I had when I was that age. And I definitely um, find, I mean, love is the greatest thing, you know. So I've I've definitely learned a lot. Um, But deep down at my core. You're still obsessed with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift (laughs) and dumb celebrity relationships, just like always when we were growing up. Yeah. 
Yes, and and that's how they are. Deep down, 85 years old, they're still their same quirky selves. You don't get rid of that quirky self unless you let it go. Mm -hmm. So be true to who you are and just have fun with it. Don't take life too seriously. And they obviously didn't. They were like, eh, what are you going to do with me? <laughs> yeah. I don't even care. And yeah. they were just living it. And and that, that, that was, was the best part fun. of the book. That was that was the fun. That was the gold yes. of this book. Mm -hmm. And if and if he developed it more in the series, then it may be a series I'll have to finish because yeah. I did really enjoy that. And you know what? Hopefully he laid a precedent that other people will I I mean, there's the life of Oove and a couple other books that really have uh, just put the elderly in such a positive, beautiful light that they have so much left to give. Mm -hmm. um, and to those authors, including this one, I'm grateful. Yeah. So speaking of looking forward, if you had to solve a murder and had to choose three people <laughs> in the world to solve it with you, oh. and it could be anybody, celebrities or anything, what three people would you have to solve See, a murder with you? That's so hard because I, I know of nobody. <laughs> um, let's see. Probably. Oh, you should have let me think about that ahead of time. I know. I should have. Maybe Joe Rogan because he seems like he knows everything. <laughs> true. He, he, knows a a little, of... he knows a little bit about a lot of things. <laughs> He has a lot of money. Um, <laughs> and a lot of friends. Yeah, and a lot of friends. Um, <laughs> call, call in some favors. Hmm, that's hard. I mean, can they be pretend characters? Nope, real life. Oh, Real yeah. life murder. Honestly, I yeah. you tell me and let me think because <laughs> I honestly don't even, I mean, literally my life revolves around... I, I don't want to say it again because you've already said it, but stupid celebrity <laughs> things <laughs> that, don't, that don't matter. So I don't know real life people. I'm trying to think I maybe the person who got OJ Simpson off because if he could do that, <laughs> oh my goodness. then I would want him. Uh, but I don't know. Tell me yours and let me think. Mine would for sure be Olivia. Okay. She's read so many murder mysteries and she's really good at guessing them. <laughs> Plus, I think she'd be fun to have. Uh -huh. And if I didn't bring her, I would be the next case that would have to be <laughs> solved. <laughs> she would murder me. So I'd have to bring Olivia along. And I would want to. If she's listening to she doesn't listen to the podcast anyway. But I would also want to bring Olivia on. And then I think my next two would be. I feel like you would need somebody like felt like they had a good dynamic in the book. You know, they had somebody like really, really smart, mm -hmm. really, really kind, kind of fiery. And then um, somebody who like understands the mind. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I feel like if I had to pick somebody else, I'd want to pick somebody who's like really, really smart and kind of understands the mind. So I'd probably go Jordan Peterson because he would understand people. Me, Olivia, and... Wait, you have to tell... Who's Jordan Peterson? That's really sad. You need to look up Jordan Peterson. Jordan, no, but who is he? He's like, he's a therapist from, Cal or from Canada, who's like become super super big. He's a very okay. famous podcaster now. Oh. He's very famous, just in general. His his whole thing is about kind of like developing as men and also like developing as relationships between you know husbands and wives and taking responsibility for your kids and everything like that. Very, very amazing individual, but also... Tired dad. Is that him? No. No. Okay, go ahead. Um, but yeah, him. Plus, I just really, really, really want to meet him. And then I would say... I don't know. It depends on if I really want to solve the case very easily or I'm just there for a good time because I could then just bring somebody <laughs> fun like Shane Gillis along and it would just be really fun. But if I'm going to solve it, then I would probably need somebody who's like really, really smart I'd probably say the guy from, I don't know, maybe Joe Rogan. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. He's smart. And he has a lot of connections. And he has a lot of connections. Lot yeah, of I think the four of us could do it. 
So I'm going to just add one. I don't know if I can think of four. I'll, I'll um, but someone that three. I, well, okay. So three, but I don't even know that I can think of three legit ones, but someone that I would want on it is Dr. Curtis. Really? Which sounds weird. One, uh, she did do the forensic teeth identifying. Hmm. Yeah. For a while. Um, nice. so that's kind of cool. But why why I would choose her is because she is someone who notices details. Mm-hmm. I can go on a walk with her, and we're on the same path, and she's going to find the dragonfly that is sitting in a bush, <laughs> like kind yeah. of fluttering because it's about to fall off the branch. You know, she notices details. Her photography of her beehive, we've had beehives for two years. She's had beehives for a year. Her photography of beehives and understanding what she's seeing has brought keeping bees alive for me Mm -hmm. because she just notices things and um, she just has this like macro ability to see the world. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and she's phenomenal in the bigger picture, but... But I would want her because I'd probably walk over the biggest clue. There could be a bone <laughs> laying across the bike path and I'd probably kick it <laughs> and keep going. And she would stop and see it and, uh, I don't know, just learn about it and see if it's of any value. So I would I, definitely put her on my team. I had to choose people only that I knew. I think I'd choose Adam. Adam knows a lot of weird random facts. You know, yeah, he he's does. always pulling like weird stuff yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. I don't know how you know that, but that's cool. And maybe Merrick because he can literally fix anything. <laughs> I was thinking Merrick because, because he's just, he doesn't need a traditional way of doing things. Does that make sense? So like that is one of the things that I love about him is he, he can make anything work. And, and serve its purpose. And sometimes I would think in criming, uh, sci- solving crimes, you don't always get to be in this pristine, perfect situation if you're going in after the bad guys or something like that. You have to be able to improvise. And he seems like he would be a good improviser. My use for Merrick was much more selfish. I was thinking, yeah, he doesn't say no to any test. <laughs> so if I asked him to dig up a body, he'd be like, sure, dude. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> So that would be nice, but but the world is probably lucky that I am not uh, on that task force because you ever wanted I'd close to be? my eyes. Um, <laughs> remember when I said that my fifty-five-year-old self is like still? I watch Charlie's Angels like nobody's business. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> so I gotta say, yeah, I did. I used to think it was really cool. Um, and I actually considered it when I was in college, just becoming a private investigator, because anybody can become a private investigator. Really? Yeah. It doesn't take anything. <laughs> you can put a sign up and you're, you're a private investigator. You better know what you're doing. I mean, they might have some rules, but essentially it's, it's that easy. You don't have to be a cop. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. No, you don't have to be a cop or anything like that. Um, but I think what kind of turned me on that was the first time dad took me shooting and I realized (laughs) (laughs) that I could not hit a target you know 10 feet ahead in front of me (laughs) that I was not quite as uh of a precisionist as the angels were and so I'm I moved on so yeah I kind of did it seems exciting because there are some shows that are just kind of goofy fun, like yeah. Charlie's Angels, Magnum P.I., those type of, of shows I I have enjoyed through the years. Yeah. Yeah, I've always, it's always been something that I'm like, eh, I wish I could have done that. You know what I mean? I actually at one point applied to the DEA. I don't know if you ever knew that. Yeah, I would kill you. Then I would be a better target shooter. <laughs> <laughs> but I made it through, so I got selected and then they asked if I could come in and do like the physical test when after that. When was this? Mm, probably about like three years ago, two years ago. Wow. Yeah. So the, yeah, what did my resume. Say she was like, "You could do it if you want." So yeah, my resume got accepted. They came back to me and they were like, "All right, yeah, we need you to go through, do the physical test, and then we'll do an interview." 
You didn't pass the physical test because right now I'm going to laugh because you don't run. No, no, no. <laughs> that was honestly the part that I was like, not the physical test. I was like, I can do push-ups. I can do pull-ups. I can do all that other stuff. It was the run. I was like, man, I'm going to have to run. <laughs> no, um, I just I ended up saying no thank you because I just uh, I got another opportunity and then started going towards that after it was um, you know, more like freelance work. I landed like a freelance job and a little bit more flexibility. And I kind of decided that I wanted to prioritize that, um, over solving crimes, but I was pretty close there for a sec. Yeah, that's crazy. I would not have been able to sleep that night. Then I would have become a super sleuth because I would have been like, what are you working on? And I would have been trying to solve it. So you didn't have to go in and solve it ahead of time. Cause I'm always trying to put that little fence around my baby <laughs> so they stay safe. So, yeah. And I've always thought it'd be cool to be a cop, but I don't know, maybe later. No, <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, so I'm grateful to cops that I know it's a little bit of a scary job. Nowadays. It is. Yeah. Um, so what would you rank this book as far one to five for fun and one to five for importance? Well, I just, for you viewers, I pretty much gave stupid <laughs> <laughs> numbers for running with Sherman, so I'm not good at this. Um, I would probably say, which, yeah, ironically, a lot of the reviews online were very much like me, and, and they wanted to like the book so much because of the premise, mm -hmm. but it just fell short on a lot of the things that we talked about. And so for that reason, what were, what was the first category? Fun and importance. Those are the two categories. Okay. So for fun, I'm going to say it was about a two and a half okay. to three. And and the reason for that is because I had to work at reading it and I had to have my synopsis up. I had to, you know, mm -hmm. Pay attention. Um, <laughs> Heaven forbid. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't food, food sped, uh, fed to me like the Hallmark movies are. Um, and for importance, again, it's going to be like the other one where the entire book is not important. It is a mystery. But I did like that he did bring in the importance of understanding that the elderly have value and need to keep living. And so for that reason, I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to mm -hmm. be kind with that. Yeah. So I think I'd just give it a three and a three straight across mm -hmm. the board. I do think as the series develops, I think that three could grow. But for just a standalone, if you were only to read the first book, I think the first one as a fun is a is a three. The characters are fun. There were moments that I laughed, but I do agree. Characters were underdeveloped and the mystery was a little bit all over the place. I wasn't able to really solve it. And that is one thing that... I do enjoy doing, you know, I enjoy solving mysteries throughout the middle of the book. And this one was a little bit of a, a disappointing reveal for me. So, but I did think it was fun. I laughed. Yeah. So, I did part. laugh and I have quotes that are probably going to go somewhere in the house. Yeah. And you cried on the podcast. So I did. Yep. So yeah, three and three for me. Yeah. So after doing two podcasts, what are your, th what are your thoughts? Did you like it? Yeah, I, I, told you after the first time, I actually do really like it. I mean, perhaps the viewers should know that my major was in broadcast journalism mm -hmm. and I loved it. I thrived in it. Um, and then I got married and had a couple kids right away and let that go, change my priorities. Mm -hmm. um, that happens with parenthood and for good reason. And I, I like that this type of an atmosphere is available to everyone and that you have a platform that the whole world can see if if you <laughs> want them to and so oh, i want them i to, really if yeah, we can get I, them i'm to. very interested you know i'm always trying to think of a podcast that i can do where no one knows except strangers that i'm doing it um nice but yeah i think it's it's a lot of fun i have mad respect for you <laughs> for um just doing life and taking risks and I hope that never changes because then you will be like these four. Yeah. And you will 
have served your purpose here on earth to just learn and grow and be a continual upward uh, momentum in life. Thanks. You're welcome. I love you. Love you too. All right. For those of you still listening here at the end, please like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast if you're listening on YouTube. This podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that podcasts are listened to. Please leave us a five-star review. And we are still looking for two things. We are looking for guests. So if you are interested in reading books, um, if you like reading, or if you have never read before and you are like me and just starting reading, um, I have a huge list of books that I would like to read. So please reach out. Um, you can reach out on Instagram or if you know me, you can just text me um, or get my number from somebody. Uh, please reach out and we'll have you on as a guest to the podcast. And then we are also looking for listeners. So <laughs> if you could tell your friends about the podcast, share it and let us know what we can do to improve the podcast. You know, always looking for feedback and we are excited that you have been listening to the Bookly Podcast. Thanks.